welcome to Monday. Of course, if you're reading on Monday, and welcome to Day 57 of Shaped by the Word, Season 3, the story of the prophets. Uh, we've been reading through the prophet Isaiah, and uh, Isaiah's prophecy is uh, one of the most expansive prophecies, uh, not only in its, in its length, Jeremiah is a bit longer, uh, but in its, uh, in its breadth. Uh, Isaiah starts with the nation when the very whispers of God's judgment are coming. He sees them through periods of God's judgment, and then he predicts their restoration uh, you know, and finally predicts the becoming of the Messiah in a deep and a rich way. So we're in a section, you know, chapter 7 through 39, where largely God is uh, warning Israel not to trust in the nations because all the nations will come to nothing. Mm -hmm. And we find ourselves in a section in the middle of that larger section uh, where there are prophecies of destruction for each of the surrounding nations of Israel, the nations great and small, Israel's enemies, you know, present and past. And uh, again, it's demonstrating and asking the question, why would you trust in, in peoples who will come to nothing and peoples who have no power and nations who have, you know, no ultimate influence? Uh, when you could be trusting in the Lord, so we're going through a series of uh, a series of pronouncements of judgment, and they're spotted with hope. And many of these nations will be nations that indeed turn to the Lord uh, themselves. So we pick up with a prophecy against Moab in uh, chapter 15 of Isaiah. Uh, before we read, we pause as we always do to uh, offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. We come to Scripture realizing what an incredible gift we've been given, no matter how many times we've read it. Uh, there is all something, always something new, something fresh, not only because of the vastness of Scripture, but because of the way the Holy Spirit ministers Scripture to us in, in the moment when we read it. Uh, so we always come with a desire to see God. We always come with a desire to see ourselves. And we always come with a desire... Uh, you know, as one of the hymn writers seemed to, to tune our hearts to his grace uh, through the instruments of Scripture. So before we read, I'm Paul, by the way, here with Matt and Cindy. So Matt, you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the gift of your word and and the variety of ways that, uh, Father, you use your word to, to grow us up and build us up in Christ Jesus, um, to reveal yourself to us and and just all the, the multifaceted things um, that your word brings about. Uh, Father, we thank you that it is living and active. And as we spend time um, in your word today, Father, would you use it to accomplish your purposes in us? Uh, Father, help us to to behold you in, in all of your glory and in your beauty. And um, Father, marvel. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hope you have a nice cup of coffee as you're reading this with us. A coffee here at Christ Church this morning is particularly good. Matt, you know what blend this is? This is Ethiopian. There you go. Oh, and we are going to be reading a prophecy about Ethiopia in, in the mm. middle of this, or Kush, late, later in this week. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 15, a prophecy against Moab. Ar in Moab is ruined, destroyed in the night. Kerr in Moab is ruined, destroyed in the night. Dibon goes up to its temple, to its high places to weep. Moab wails over Nebo and Medaba. Every head is shaved and every beard cut off. In the streets they wear sackcloth. On the roofs and in public squares they will, prostrate and weeping. Heshbon and Elilah cry out. Their voices are heard all the way to Jahaz. Therefore the armed men of Moab cry out and their hearts are faint. My heart cries out over Moab. Her fugitives flee as far as Zor, as far as the Eglath Shalishiah. And they go up to the hill of Lueth, weeping as they go. They go on the road of Hornim and lament their destruction. 
The waters of Nimrim are dried up, the grass is withered, the vegetation is gone, and nothing green is left. So the wealth they have acquired and stored up, they carry away over the ravine of the poplars. Their outcry echoes along the border of Moab. Their wailing reaches as far as Aglium. Their limitation as far as bare Aelium. The waters of Demon are full of blood, but I will bring still more upon Demon. A lion upon a refuge of Moab, on the fugitives of Moab, and upon those who remain in the land. Send lambs as tribute to the ruler of the land, from Selah across the desert to the mount of daughter Zion, like fluttering birds pushed from the nest. So are the women of Moab at the fords of Arnon. Make up your mind, Moab says, render a decision. Make your shadow like night at high noon. Hide the fugitives, do not betray the refugees. Let the Moabite fugitives stay with you, be their shelter from the destroyer. The pressure will come to an end and destruction will cease. The aggressor will vanish from the land. And love a throne will be established and faithfulness a man will sit on it, one from the house of David, one who in judging seeks justice and who speeds the cause of righteousness. We've heard of Moab's pride, how great is her arrogance, of her conceit, her pride and her insolence, but her boasts are empty. Therefore the Moabites well, they well together from Moab, lament and grieve for the raisin cakes of Kirharaseth. The fields of Heshbon wither, the vines of Shibna also. The rulers of the nation have trampled down the choicest vines, which once reached to Jazir and spread toward the desert. Their shoots spread out and went as far as the sea. So I weep as Jazir weeps for the vines of Sibna, Heshbon, and Aaliyah. I drench you with tears. The shouts of joy over your ripened fruit and over your harvest have been stilled. Joy and gladness are taken away from the orchards. No one sings or shouts in the vineyards. No one treads out wine at the presses, for I've put an end to the shouting. My heart laments for Moab like a harp, my inmost being for Kirharaseth. When Moab appears at her high place, she only wears herself out when she goes to her shrine to pray. It is of no avail. This is a word the Lord has already spoken concerning Moab. But now the Lord says, within three years, as a servant bound by contract would count them, Moab's splendor and all her many people would be despised and her survivors will be very few and feeble. Uh, we've introduced to one of Isaiah's favorite phrases uh, there in the end, period of three years as a servant who is bound under contract would count them uh, day by day, moment by moment, and in the very moment the time is up, uh, uh, the events will take place. Uh, Moab is, uh, of course, the most famous uh, Moabite would probably be from the book of Ruth. Uh, Moab uh, famously would not allow Israel to pass through its territory. So as a result, uh, no Moabite is ever allowed to come into the temple. This is a long-standing, a long-standing grudge. But interestingly enough, the Moabites were kin to uh, you know, Israel uh, through uh, Abram's nephew Lot. So there is a kinship here, and you can even uh, hear Isaiah weeping and even expressing the heart of God as he weeps over, over Moab. And one of the themes you're going to find, you know, through this week as we read is, is pride, the pride of the nations in their wealth, the pride of the nations in their achievement. And you see all of these withering and coming to nothing, you know, through the course of these judgments uh, that we'll be reading through this through this week. Yeah, and you, you see in chapter 15 as it starts, um, you know, one of the things that we see just time and time again in the Old Testament is kind of the role of high places. You know, the high places become these places of sacrifice. And even 
I mean, a lot of times you see, you know, when God is displeased with Israel, it's because they built these high places yeah. where they're sacrificing mm-hmm. other gods. And so you have the people, when the judgment comes down on Moab, you have, you know, these various places, you have them going up to the temple to its high places to weep. And so even the places where they used to go to seek refuge, seek worship, seek shelter from their God will be places of, of weeping. And But also just... I mean, the destruction that comes and the judgment that comes on these places, you know, they'll be destroyed in a night. You know, a lot of these places, it took years to build up, and all of a sudden, in, in one night, destroyed. Mm-hmm. And, of course, what an image, uh, and an image reminds us a little bit of chapter one, uh, but the image is every time the Moabs, uh, Moabites go up to their high place, they only wear themselves out mm-hmm. because their worship is in vain, and uh, they're worshiping nothing but idols. Uh, on the other hand, in chapter one, God has said of Israel, your worship is wearing me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're only going through the motions, and you're treating me as if I were you know, just uh, one of these lesser gods who you could charm with a few gifts and a few rituals. Uh, but I am the God of Israel. I'm the God who has created all of these things. And you don't come before me with simply ritual. You come before me you know, with hearts that are repentant and deeply you know, turning to me. And you realize that Moab is where she is, obviously because of the conceit, the pride, and the insolence. But I do love um, sixteen eleven, um, where Isaiah would say, "My heart laments for Moab like a harp." And I just I love the fact that instead of gloating, that there is this contrition, even as you're watching another be humbled, you kind of enter that same space and understand that you, for the grace of God, go I. I mean, far be it from me. Mm-hmm. You know um, that I too have these these issues well, of pride. You, you also see in there a real reflection of uh, in, in a very similar in a frame in Luke. Uh, whenever Jesus is pronouncing final judgment on Jerusalem, he does so with a lament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you together as a mother hen uh, gathers her chicks. So you, you see the justice of God in enacting judgment on people mm-hmm. uh, you know, who have denied him and who have broken his law, who have abused uh, you know, the least uh, of the peoples around them and have puffed up their arrogance and pride mm-hmm. and have uh, put their confidence in their accomplishments. So you see God's righteous judgment there, but it's a judgment that comes with a sad heart mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you'll see that in Jeremiah you know do I delight in the destruction of the wicked would I rather not you know they repent and, and return mm-hmm. yeah. and you get the sense in these two chapters just the the wailing time and time again you mm-hmm. know we're introduced to a people who are wailing and weeping and and mourning you know and not just kind of like a little bit of mourning but I mean it's significant and you mm-hmm. almost get the sense of just like they they've reached that stage of hopelessness you know of they they're stuck they're they're they are stuck in their sins they're going to hold on to their pride they're going to you know, do it but there's a hopelessness that, that really mm-hmm. they can't escape the judgment mm-hmm. you know and for us i mean turning our eyes towards jesus i mean this is where we find ourselves apart from him that we can't escape the hopelessness or the judgment that comes no when we're, we're stripped of all of you know all of our props and all of the things that you know we've relied on uh, you know, there have been, and Jesus would often say, you know, his generation would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. And so the, and the towns he mentions are faraway towns. And he said the weeping is so loud and so prominent, you know, that's finally reached these mm-hmm. towns. And Isaiah's painted a picture of the, uh, uh, you know, really Moab is, is kind of insignificant, even though they have great pride. Uh, they're just the other side of the Dead Sea, you know, from Israel is a new area that was sometimes contested. 
you know, by, uh, you know, the tribe of Reuben, uh, or was supposed to possess, and, you know, and they never really, you know, did possess. And, and the cities that he, he, he mentions are those that are just kind of in the way, you know, as Assyria moves, you know, all the way from, you know, from the north to the south uh, mm-hmm. in their conquest, you know, in their conquest of Egypt. Now, there's kind of an irony here. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever Israel was coming through, Moab would not allow them to take refuge in their land. But as Assyria comes through, they cry out to Israel for refuge in her land. And that's what you're talking about. You know, may the lambs that have reached to Selah, they, mm-hmm. they got about halfway there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, make it all the way to the daughter of Zion. And they're the ones who come with the words on their lips, you know, that there will be, you know, a king you know, from the throne yeah. of David, you know, who reigns in righteousness and justice. So they have realized the worthlessness of their own gods. And they've recognized to this point something Judah has not recognized, you know, the truth of the hope, you know, that is mm-hmm. coming from yeah. uh, the promises that God has made, you know, to the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I, I love that contrast where even in verse 6 of chapter 16, we have heard of Moab's pride. Um, how great is her arrogance of her conceit or pride and her insolence, but her boasts are empty. You know, mm-hmm. the, the very things she boasts about are empty. And then yet contrasted that with exactly what you said in verse 5, the mm-hmm. kind of the pride of Israel will be that God has made a covenant with them that will bring about one who sits on the throne forever. You know, and mm-hmm. even thinking of this whole idea of what, what do we boast in, you know, Paul would say, I don't boast in anything that I have, but... I boast in Christ and Christ alone. Uh, and of course, uh, Jeremiah say, let not the yeah. wise men boast of his wisdom or the rich men boast in his riches. And of course, he's speaking of the kind of arrogance of the nation mm-hmm. uh, or the strong men in his strength. But let him who boast, boast in this, that he knows that I am the Lord who loves righteousness and justice in the face mm-hmm. of the earth. Father, thank you uh, for a picture of the proud and insolent and uh, we recognize that uh, many times we find ourselves in the same place where our confidence is in our, our abilities and the things we've acquired or the things around us. We, we take for granted that uh, we'll always have this kind of prosperity that we deeply enjoy, and we do not recognize where it came from, and we do not look beyond it to the greater hope uh, that comes from you. Father, may we... Uh, be a people who recognize the deepest riches that we have are the riches that you have given us in Christ Jesus. If you have brought us into a relationship with yourself, may we enjoy you, Father. May we walk with you, and Father, may we reflect your heart and characters we interact with others today. Mm-hmm. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.